Give me a sec. Okay, I just hit the go live button. Okay, yeah, thank you so much for Alessio to join us today, become our guest speaker. And uh, he has um, done a lot of very good work. And today he is going to share us how, like his journey. And I will pass my baton to Alessio. Yeah, Alessio. Can you guys hear me correctly? I, I see you, yes. Yes. Perfect. So first of all, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, I'm always honored when this happens because I'm you know, happy to share my journey with people that maybe are trying to do the same or they are in the same situation I was some years ago. Um, my name is Alessio. I'm based in uh, LA, uh, originally from Italy. So I moved here around 10 years ago and uh, my my path uh, started in architecture before I was uh, uh, very interested in art and design when I was in my you know, 18, 19, 19 years old. And uh, I then discovered that you can apply a lot of technology to art. So I started to intersect these two things and uh, it led me to more of, um, uh, I think naturally led me toward the path to discover XR. Uh, so initially for me, um, and I hope, you know, like if there is any question, please go ahead and just like, you know, just drop it in the chat and things like that, because I really want to be helpful to everyone that, you know, want to get occupation in the field of XR or, or just like doing architecture and design and want to switch or something like that. So I had a lot of self, you know, uh, learning on my own and that, that kind of like that discipline and that curiosity is what kind of led me where, where I am now. Uh, but to go back to a little bit of the journey, I started uh, at the Polytechnical Milan, um, and then I went to SciArc, which is an uh, architecture school in, uh, in LA. And uh, both these two schools are pretty much to give you the freedom and uh, to explore a little bit of a lot of, um, you know, there are additional studies that you can explore new technologies. And for me, the very first one was um, exploring the uh, uh, parametric architecture, which is a way to work with design where you build this sort of um, uh, scripts uh, through a visual interface, uh, which kind of simplify the process of scripting and putting together things. It's like a very powerful tool uh, that allows you to create very complex structure. So I don't have like architecture, uh, uh, you know, I have some projects here, but like one of my first uh, job was actually in this firm called uh, Morphosis, which is here in LA, and they do uh, a lot of complex, um, a lot of complex uh, skin for buildings. So this was my, you know, like uh, my official entry into coding and technology, I think. And uh, after this, uh, it was natural for me to become super curious about how to represent these things. Uh, and um, uh, I started to get into VR and understanding what, what that means in, in like, how can I drop like a model in and I can just build an interactive experience to go places inside of the inside of the buildings. Uh, there was like a lot of stuff that I did um, that was not looking this great like, like now, but uh, it was a lot of experimentation when I was working in other architecture firms in Italy. Uh, and, um, and so like what I did at SciArc was uh, focusing myself more on augmented reality and the discovery of, uh, of how to use this media for, you know, new, new like, 
kind of how to make this media very impactful for architecture. So one of the like, you know, three, three years skip ahead and, uh, you know, all of the experimentation that you do at school, but probably one of the most, uh, you know, predominant project for me that opened a lot of doors to really like uh, being, being, uh, having like some company interested in your work, I would say. Uh, I did like a lot of um, uh, kind of uh, collaboration with uh, AR companies and I went through AWE and then showcased some of the projects. So there I get to know a lot of other people it was this project called Games of Deletion. <laughs> and this project was a, a game, but like the, the message of the game was a little bit um, going beyond the scope of just the game. It was uh, basically at that time, was 2017, 2018, uh, and um, we were just making this thesis together, me and my partner here, his name is Runze Zhang, now he works at TikTok. And we were doing this project where um, we, we were in, in LA, so we, we saw a lot of murals and we were like, what do we do like with all of these murals? And we, we were in love with uh, image tracking experiences. So we were like, we, we should create like a sort of network uh, they put all of these things together and start to use the physical space as a way to build up a virtual space, but just in that precise location. So there is like a network in the network. And uh, the, the, the project was very ambitious uh, because it was aiming to uh, basically collapse into one unique space, multiple cities. So you were like in LA and you were looking at a building and this building was representing a part of the building in another city like New York or, you know, uh, Tokyo and, and things like that. It was like a little bit sci-fi, but um, at the same time, it was really making you think about like what's going to be like the virtual space in the future if uh, this space can arrive to you know, um, if this space can arrive everywhere. Uh, so here's like a little video. Let me just put this a little bit smaller. So um, there is there is just like a CGI video that I made at that time. Let me see if I can skip ahead. And um, uh, this was done with Cinema 3D. Um, let me see if I can, it's a little bit of a bad internet. It was like a portal that it was opening and it was showing another city in the background. Uh, also, we were doing architecture school, so we had to respect quite a lot of uh, requirements from a project point of view. We need to make things pretty. We need to make things, you know, that like are very <laughs> attractive because anyway, you're still in a design school. Uh, but like it was really something that at that time, like uh, I feel like surprised a lot of um, uh, a lot of people in the in the environment. It went it did these videos and this project went a little bit viral on the internet, and um, and and I think it was like a great uh, opportunity for me and my partner also to start to apply for jobs in the in the field. And um, uh, talking a little bit more about like uh, uh, unity and like the way I got into this, one of my first experiences into game companies was um, uh, was for this company called Super Seventy Eight, which is a small studio here in LA. 
and uh, they built uh, with the Samsung uh, uh, headset, which at that time, you know, was kind of a big thing that you get, you just put your phone inside of the headset and it just gives you this kind of low fidelity experience, but still very, you know, very practical for usages like, you know, museum or attractions that needs like an easy setup and all of these things. So I participated to this experience called Reef Rescue, and uh, it was it was an amazing experience working with them because I never really been part of like a, a game studio to see all of the process that goes through, you know, making assets, lighting, uh, all optimization, like trying on testing and 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 building an experience that runs smoothly on on a phone basically. And um, so that was a that was like a, an internship that really gave me so much experience and really made me understand that I was like, okay, this is going to be my thing. This is something I really, really like. Um, then I feel like we entered in the, into the realm of the probably is more of the interest of uh, listeners. I feel like uh, from my understanding, this, um, with this, this uh, XR reality is focused also on, you know, career opportunities and you might think like, oh, you did architecture. So when you apply for jobs, uh, what happened there? Like, well, how was, how was the way that you find like a job in XR uh, having like a background, which is, you know, strictly related, but not necessarily in computer science for being an engineer. And here is where I think that uh, it comes out the part that you need to do on your own. <laughs> and and uh, for me, it was a series of uh, learning on my, on, my, on my own. So being very curious about how to learn Unity. Uh, there is a lot of resources online. And also trying to find some projects that not necessarily are things that someone is asking you to do, but you just want to help out or, uh, you know, opportunity leads to other opportunity. For example, I made just an example of that path. This is not closing. I don't know why. Let me see. Uh, Logic Pro. There you go. Uh, so, for example, I started to help a friend of mine, which he was very interested in making a game. And I was like, okay, so I, I, I worked for a game company and never really made like a game from scratch. Uh, I want to build, I, I want to build everything from scratch on my own. So I want to understand how to make a game uh, the, the, the right way. And uh, even if it's going to take me like three, four months, I really want to get there and understand all of the, all of the nuts and bolts of how this works. So I started to, you know, document myself and say, okay, so what do you have to do for doing a game? Like you need to have like a UML diagram that puts together all of this, um, this architecture of classes in Unity. And, um, and I really like that deep dive my own into these things, but because I come also from a design background, I was like, okay, so beside that, let's also tackle the creation of the game and all of the visuals and the, the rendering pipeline and all of these things. So uh, I did, I, I really wanted to put myself in every part of the project and, uh, and helping to succeed and not necessarily, you know, having like an experience that was part of like a massive studio, but I just really wanted to, uh, you know, learn myself things and then eventually start to engage with client, uh, having like a nice portfolio myself um so this was one of the 
uh, one of the game, like one of the first game I just like put together in Unity. Uh, some of the visuals, of course, in 3D models come from this friend of mine, um, which is great 3D artist. But I really wanted to understand how to make it. And uh, this came out like, if you think about like a one person work or one, one and a half person work, uh, it's quite quite a lot you can do with Unity. And um, and so people were pretty impressed looking at, at my portfolio and seeing all of this work because I was not just curating, you know, the the all of the engineering part of it, but also the the fact that there were like beautiful visuals. Uh, there is a definitely like an atmosphere. It's all of a package together. So you could, it's not like a, a narrow, uh, a narrow focus. Um, let me see if I can go out. And uh, is this game published anywhere? Like, um, yeah, this game can be played anywhere. So there was a period that he published it on a independent platform. Uh, I have to say, like, I, I didn't curate the publication because it was his game in a way. So his name is Andre Zakaya. Oh, I think maybe he's changes his website or something. Uh, but I'm not sure. But we, yeah, we published it on a platform that was uh, possible to play with. Nothing major, but uh, yeah. So it was a very indie project. <laughs> it's but very, very beautiful. I think I saw a lot of engineer. They are very good at coding, but I think because of the visual was not that appealing, then their code was kind of like too gimmicky. And uh, yeah, so I think the combination of knowing a little bit code and also uh, very good at storytelling and uh, the visual part really uh, like amaze people. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, people try always to divide these two things. And I feel like instead they are on the same. And uh, in, also in terms of education, I feel like design engineering is merging always more and more, at least from my perspective. So I always encourage people to say, okay, like if you make a portfolio, make something that, you know, no one ever seen and you can do, like, don't, don't just provide an idea, do a proof of concept that actually you show that that is possible or anything you can give uh, to other people to realize your vision. I feel like that's always super helpful. So people will always appreciate what, what you can do extra. Um, yeah. Um, I still don't see the chat when I ever, whenever I share my screen. So please, if there is any question that you see, interrupt me anytime because I cannot see the chat. But um, anyway, so after that, that experience, uh, I, I was like, okay, now I can make games. I want to make mine. Uh, and I just engaged with another artist, um, uh, which uh, his name is Andrew Kovacs. Uh, he's an amazing artist. Um, which did a lot of uh, installation for Coachella and, you know, very, very much architecture based uh, uh, art because he's an architecture professor. And this project, uh, I'd say, didn't go uh, far as much as I could because I, I, uh, um, I got my employment in, in between this, this, the, the development of the game and, I, and it got so busy. But we did enough work to you know, kind of like understand how to do things that I really wanted to to be more familiar with. Uh, for example, uh, I think this project really helped me to get into making tools for designers. So 
uh, I, something I really I discovered also I really like is also like not not just providing a, 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 an app but also within the app itself thinking about like tools that can facilitate the use of the app itself so the user experience uh, is something that is very important to me and you use applications every day and you have like ways to improvement so here I made like a tool that would uh, would make you review a series of assets with a note uh, and then would send all of these notes to uh, your your peers you're working with so it was like a basically like a nice experience for reviewing the work and uh and that was super cool to me because like uh it really it was during covid so uh, there wasn't like a lot of time for us to to meet in person we couldn't really do it so this kind of makes us you know feel more connected and makes us feel like okay so just use the use the review and let's just go through this you know and um and this 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 game was very interesting too it was like a mix of uh uh, assembly of 3D games and 3D objects and you were part of this environment which was uh, this environment was typical of uh, this artist uh, Andrew Kovacs like it's kind of like his language and I kind of tried to replicate his language in virtual so kind of you know scanning or downloading 3D objects and having like a character that goes through all of this um, all of these 3D model uh, labyrinth of objects. Uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I feel like even if it didn't let me far as I as I was thinking, I feel like this is was always like a learning, big learning process for me, and that's also what I what I care about. Uh, another one. So after making games, uh, I feel like because of my background in architecture, um, I started to go a little bit back on some enterprise cases um because i wanted really to say okay it's like games are cool but at the same time like i feel like you can do uh also other things that are very important and can help um people more for every day so one of my major uh, uh let's say freelance project was this application in ar that i made for um a startup that was doing adu at that time so these guys were in san francisco looking for funding and they were like, what's our edge for, you know, starting to earn some, starting to gather some funds from investors, because we have this idea that we want to make uh, building ADU houses very easy. Uh, but we also want to have like something attractive that can investor think that we just do things differently. Uh, so I feel like, you know, like uh, augmented reality there was a perfect application because I was like, you just make this app where you can eventually also buy houses in the app itself, but you made them experience these houses that you guys built in a way that uh, it's never been done before uh, at that time. So now I think this is this is way more popular use, uh, but uh, we're talking about three, four years ago because I cannot share anything. I'm doing a magic leap, unfortunately. <laughs> can talk through, but I cannot really share. This is all my, my personal projects. So we just made this very simple application that you can run on um, on iPad or iPhone, and it just gives uh, gives you like a full uh, round of all of their all of their projects. Some look better, some have like you know very basic textures and things like that. But I feel like uh, just the fact that you have it and you can just take a look at it and you can put it like in real scale and just go inside and 
still there is something very sweet about AR that you, you can see the outside when you have some window texture. And that really gives you like a, in my opinion, like a full immersion of the, of the architecture you're trying to, uh, to, to communicate. Uh, and so this was uh, this was part of the project that that I delivered to them. So in this app, particularly, there were two modes. One was uh, AR, and one was more immersive. So you could have just decided how to see all of these things in two different way. Also, because I was not really happy just with this immersive uh, layout thing, uh, like uh, the 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 final app experience became more of um, uh, like from 2D to 3D. So still like a lot of architecture here going on. And this very nice uh, model of interaction, which basically like you, you, you just turn the house and then you can immerse in, your in the house. So you can just go through, you kind of see this cute 3D view modeling, and then uh, you can just toggle on and off things. Uh, also a lot of optimization because this is running on, uh, uh, on phone. Uh, so like you, you go through a lot of that and then you just go in and you see this kind of high fidelity interior. Uh, so it was super fun. This was published on the Android and Apple store. It'd been there for a while. Uh, I feel like now they moved on onto something else, but this really helped them to uh, gather funds. And that what, what strikes me about this project is really like the impact that had was, uh, in my opinion, one of the biggest one uh, I did like myself, this project took, you know, like, between one to two months to make and allowed them to uh, to really like let them start their own practice. So I felt very empowered and I felt like I empowered them a lot. Uh, so I think this pretty much uh, is, uh, oh, let me see. Let's go to some more, ex, you know, uh, immersive or speculative projects because I feel like those also are very important. If you if you ever are trying to apply for a job today, I, I really think that there are there is a list of things that you should do. Uh, and this things that I'm showing, I think doesn't not really apply to the moment that we are now, because now with AI, it's such a different workflow. Uh, so I would always do something that no one really did before, or that there are some trends around it. I would just grab those trends and put them together and make like a new project out of it. I would always learn in a project-based approach. So I would never really uh, just learn things as for learning, but I would really just like uh, start to do things like I want to make this and I want to make, for example, a product for this use case. So I'm just going to go th to, through that route. And then if you are pivoting through that route, I think it's, it's, you know, it's completely normal because maybe you have also better ideas uh, whenever you work on something for longer. But uh, I feel like I would go experimenting something crazy without really caring about, um, oh my God, I work for this guy or for this other guy. Like I, you want to surprise a little bit more your uh, whoever is going to judge your work. And I feel like that was the case of my, uh, my case, at least. This project, I want to mention it because it was before ChatGPT, but still had uh, a lot of AI uh, um, uh, informed components. Uh, this was a VR project that we did actually at my, um, the architecture firm that I was working for, it is called Morphosis. They had like a design department, which uh, fortunately my director really liked VR and AR and they had like a lot of uh, time for exploring uh, things at the side. 
so we made this uh, avatar uh, that uh, is able to speak to speak with you in in VR, and we were using for uh, that use case particularly IBM Watson, which it's not at all a chat GPT system, but it kind of does what, you know, chat GPT does uh, in a very um, low end way. You kind of like insert a lot of different sentences in the system and it train, it's, it's trained on top of your sentences and you can have like a full conversation with an avatar. Uh, this product was more like centered to have like, you know, e-commerce help with clients. So we used it for something completely different. Uh, but even here was a mix, uh, once again, was just a big mix of engineering, storytelling, and, um, and uh, a lot of work in the back that I learned a lot from, but also very careful about how things look like and how made them look like from... You know, uh, also like a perspective of uh, uh, advertisement product, because, you know, there are some graphics that are done with Unity, some graphics that are done with Cinema 3D to pump up that resolution and just gives you a feeling that this robot feels more real. This was an uh, in, in-game experience. You were basically in the forest and you would just like have this... Uh, this conversation with this guy and you could go on forever. Uh, and uh, the, I also made like, a, like a, a little bit of a prototype here that you could type in things. Uh, and we just made it fun and we brought it to a lot of uh, um, uh, cinema um, uh, exhibitions and conferences and people really liked it. Uh, this is how it was working. I always like to document everything with, uh, you know, sharing what I did. Uh, what was the issue? Um, at that time, there wasn't like a VR multiplayer SDK. So we had to kind of like uh, create a VR sort of like we use Photon, but we just made it more adaptable for VR. So it's not just really in the surface, it's actually doing things in the background. And I also like to share like previous exploration, like what we did, like where this come from, uh, why we did it. And there is sort of a full process here that you can go through. Uh, a similar project was this one, more for, it's still like a very immersive experience. Uh, and uh, this was like a movie, a VR movie. Um, I'm gonna focus more on to some maybe more recent uh, projects uh, because I feel like it's more relevant to what's going on in the world now. Um, and uh, I'm just going to go through other two projects, then stop and just give also space to everyone for asking questions or some, some more details regarding how to, you know, move from, how to apply for jobs and generally things that maybe are very more, more pragmatic for you to know. So this project was, uh, I, I think I gathered the interest for this project because I started to see TikTok and the way uh, filters work on TikTok. So I felt like TikTok was great, but at the same time, it never gave you that quality that could be like a movie experience. I feel like now with AI, uh, we are actually getting there, I feel like, because things look so good and there is no longer a need to, there is that kind of post-processing process to put all the pixel together and just looks amazing. Uh, but at this time, I was thinking that uh, augmented reality and virtual production would one day come to the same uh, the same level, which I think is still the case. Uh, so I thought maybe uh, let's 
just make like a project that works on the uh, takes the, the TikTok strategy of like filters on the body, but kind of like advance them a little bit more to have some sort of like choreographies, videos, and uh, I'm going to show a little bit more here in detail. So here, this is a fun, ooh, this was a fun project because, uh, you know, like uh, this was me <laughs> and I was like thinking maybe we can do like some choreography when you're moving and just how can I get those, um, you know, instead of getting posture, we can just get some distance from hand to hand and see what's the distance between the two hands and uh, or um, in avoiding some pose detection or having some uh, sort of like uh, um, occlusion that works with you. This was the occlusion that was behind or maybe changing these filters based on the uh, the BPM of the song. So it, this, this filter particularly was using something called algorithmic bit mapping and I was like what if I just instead of recording 30 seconds I can just record like a full video and every time I do a movement the camera changes the effect changes and it's all like in one pack you know it's all like it's all of a product that can do it all and you can just make a full music video with your phone uh, so that was the vision uh, um, and there was a lot of experimentation in the making of this I feel like the, the, the final outcome was uh, reasonably, uh, you know, what I wanted to do, uh, but very, you know, like this could go, it, it's definitely a prototype, but what I wanted to arrive was having like a subject between two different layers and this kind of environment was just changing with the music. Uh, so if you put all of these things together, like, you know, the filter that you're having on the person itself in the background that, you, that you're putting the the person in uh i feel like uh that would make that would make happen this kind of like uh uh instant music video uh and i here you can see that the is not changing any garment of the person uh, this was my roommate <laughs> we did this during covid so i was just like you know where we couldn't really go anywhere so i became super productive uh and this one instead was like a study for saying, okay, so now we have the background. What if we start to play with uh, some garment on the person itself and have this kind of virtual fashion, but also uh, like you can change all of the environment and, uh, and how the person is dressed in once. So I kind of like try to create some prototype for the fashion use case. Uh, this was done with the AR Foundation, with body tracking, and this app was uh, basically a remote video call that he would tell me where to move things, and I would just move them around with my, like, touching with the, you know, just, like, swiping or moving things, and I could just communicate with, with my friend remotely to, uh, to kind of assemble the scene. So I always try to do something, but in a way, like, how can I make this actually useful? Uh, I feel like that's an approach that I always recommend to everyone, even if you're exploring something which is a little bit cutting edge and maybe uh, someone could claim is more like uh, related to entertainment. Uh, also being in LA, you know, like uh, I feel like a lot of people would make use of uh, a lot of content and entertainment stuff. Um, another final project I wanted to show that was always in the line of this one was um, this one here, which I presented at um, a conference in Tokyo. 
Uh, and this one kind of takes the learnings of the previous one I showed and try to make like a better way to do it with AI. Uh, uh, and I was just like, you know, uh, I was really like thinking about what is becoming uh, work now, what are the new ways to work with the, this media. Uh, now we have all of this, you know, text to text, text to image, text to video. We have all of these uh, micro tools that allow us to to make new things in a way that is more of like drafting an ideas and that that ideas turn into reality way faster. Uh, so how to leverage these things and how to make them, you know, like uh, uh, part of our workflow. Uh, so I started to take a look at some uh, stuff on the internet, and I, I'm not the only one that is thinking this. Uh, I think Balawal Sidhu actually did a lot of experiments with this uh, with this mixed technology. And this was a music video I tried to do in the same way, and this we did it with Unreal Engine. Go through if you want to go, <laughs> go through all of this. Uh, it's funny, but it was also a lot of work. Uh, and then uh, I think we arrived to uh, some new new work, which started always in the realm of uh, art. Uh, this was an exhibition of a friend of mine. And we basically, um, let me see if I have a video that gives it away a little better. Um, so th there was an exhibition that was going on in this room and then uh, there was a webcam that was taking a picture of all of the people in the room, which I know it's a little bit privacy invasion, but it was an art installation. And then uh, we just turned that into some uh, 3D reconstruction and images that then would just like uh, react to your voice in an, into another room. So there was like this connect between the art of the artist that was informing these 3D reconstructions because the model was fine-tuned on those things. And then here you can just like repurpose this art in a very interesting way. Uh, so that was more of an experiment for understanding how to use uh, things like stable diffusion and more like this. And then uh, I was like, okay, I want to make like something like a product again. I want to make something that you can actually use. And I'm very much into music. So I went back to my music video stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, so I want like an instant music video maker. And uh, here, here is the pipeline that I went through. Like you just put a prompt uh, and then the text goes to image. The image gives you like a sort of mood. Uh, and then the text can also go to code. So you can code some sort of like a simulation. If you tell whatever is the input, make it happen as a, as a simulation or as a, as a, what is it? This, this particularly was like a, a series of um, just particle floating in space. Like that's, that's how I might, I kind of make it happen. Whatever is the, the, the input, just make it happen. Just, just turn it into something like that. And for example, here, there was like some simple cubes and here there was some text, but this is the same, you know, the positions are kind of the same. And then there was an audio source that would gives you an audio to text and then still the algorithmic bit mapping to try to tune things together. And so I called the app mood uh, and just to, you know, without me talking forever, this is what kind of what, what would do. This was one of my latest project and I always like to do the stuff on the side because it keeps me really um, up to date with everything that is going 
on in the world and uh it really informs also some some work of more professional nature because these are you know we, you can call it r d but going from here to do actual product i feel like there is a lot of distance uh and you can do these things in weekends and when you do a product you need to really be there for months and just stick to it every day and just like may, may, making you know so here is like how how things work. I also love music, so that's why I'm in LA, <laughs> and uh, and I always try to mix it a little bit with my work too. Uh, and you know, this is has nothing to do, for example, with Magic Leap, but uh, it gives me like the freedom to explore new technology, which I can just recycle and just start to use for actually professional work. Uh, so I feel like that's also like two phases of development that really helps me um and i want to mention this project by i don't know if you know karen x chang like she's an amazing influencer for ai and ar on social media she basically created like a video out of like a, a photo of her restroom uh with ai so she kind of made this video that she seems like she's flying on an airplane but actually the window is just the the upper part of your toilet and I think that that is genius because it's really like what AI comes down to is like getting like a proof of concept and turning into something that it's just an archetype. It's just that another different version of the archetype of that idea. So I was very, very impressed to see that. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what we try to do at school too. When we uh, basically the, the, um, the, the deliverables that they asked us was like make a photogrammetry of a 3d object but then we didn't use a real 3d object we use an ar object and we did the photogrammetry of the ar object and we we're like it's pointless to have a real object if you have an ar object that is come from uh you know it was like this kind of loop uh that we were like maybe things uh are kind of getting to a point here which are looping with each other it's, it's something happening in the world that that you know we we need to understand better <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, I want to stop sharing just because I'm talking so much. And please uh, feel free to ask some questions or some more specific question regarding career. Uh, I'm, you know, available now or also, you know, anytime after this talk. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, uh, how are you currently using AI in your workflow and how do you see that changing moving forward? So for now, so, you know, like big companies, I feel like they are a little bit holding back on using AI so much because um, there is a problem of privacy and, uh, and uh, the fact that you just like insert your code into this, <laughs> into this chat and if it's very, you know, if it's like a utility in Unity, like how to, you know, move a slider better, like who cares, right? Like it's just a utility. But if there is very much like code that is proprietary of the of the company, you can't use it. So I, to be fair, in my job, I'm not using it. Um, but uh, what can I say in, in terms of like, how would I use it? Uh, I think that um, now, the, the the thing that I used in my project previously was more about like vision models. So it was really trying to create images 
uh, or interpret images. Uh, and I feel like that multimodal way of working is what really makes a big difference because you can you can set it up like in a lot of different ways. For example, you can turn an image into code, which uh, you know, like for you can say, hey, ChatGPT, like interpret this image and put out code out of this image without telling anything else, and you probably get like a, a code snippet which is working. Uh, does that mean that we can just move image around and that's going to be our code? Probably in the future or something around, or maybe you get to a level of abstraction of things that uh, you just input so little and you get so much out of it because it's fine-tuned on what you want to do. Uh, I feel like for now, in augmented reality, specifically how I see it is... Uh, is improving how devices are context aware. So if before, usually you are attached to a pipeline that is more LiDAR and, and in, in, implies that your devices are in a way pretty heavy uh, because they require a lot of, you know, like sensors or um, it's like the same about cars, right? Like they are, there are different streams of thoughts there. Like if, if instead of doing something that is so heavy for a very much wide specific use, I think now with the fact that you can get information out of an image and run a model on the web and getting those images, you know, from the internet, it not necessarily require you to build, uh, such a big, you know, CPU that comes with you or something that can, you know, you don't need like such a power attached to you as a, as a user. So I feel like that that's the direction that I see going for vision. Uh, meanwhile, for uh, text and communication, which these two things could actually go together very, very quickly because you just get an image, you get the description of the image, and then you just recycle that description and do something else with it. Like these things are very much interchangeable. I feel like uh, our UI could completely, uh, you know, stop to exist, and we could just eventually have this uh, more. Uh, how can I say, something that you know, in AR, for example, when you look at some, uh, when you, just let's let's think, let being a little bit less. Uh, uh, you know, 10 years ahead, like now when you look at the button, you can eventually uh, have like, you know, high tracking or head track or head pose that tells you that you're looking at the button. So you just have this property that comes particularly in every, in every AR and VR headset. But then with that information, you can say, okay, so the user was trying to tackle this button. I know it. And after you get all of that data for a while, you know basically all of the patterns of the user that what the user is doing. So you could have a completely different workflow that you just do one movement and that movement leads you back, leads you through a series of steps that you would have taken anyway. Uh, and to not even mention, you know, like audio inputs, because now if you can say, hey, ChatGPT, do this, and then it does such a complex uh, task after what you asked for. Uh, makes me rethink, do we really need a lot of buttons or settings or uh, do we really need all of that into like a, 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 an operating system? So that's how I see it so far. So with the Quest 3, they have they don't use eye tracking. And so um, it sounds like from what you just said, 
it would be better if they did have some sort of eye tracking facility in there uh, to simplify the user interface. I think so, because I feel like the eye tracking is probably the closest thing you could have to, um, uh, you know, like I'm just going very extreme here, but Neuralink, uh, for example, is based on, you know, some waves patterns that are gathered and you can make decision in your mind, right? Like that's the main ambitions and goals. So uh what are those patterns are just actions that the user does and constantly they happen so many times that basically this device can read your mind so i feel like eye gaze uh, it's a little bit of that so that's why maybe it's a little bit of a sensitive topic because uh, uh we constantly move eyes you will be surprised to see how you know like you think you're looking just at one place but you're actually looking at 300s at the same time and so those patterns are very informative for input uh assistance um and i worked on something similar in the past for example we i did like um uh before to join magic leap i i did this application which was for a hospital and they were trying to gather some information for uh patients and so just having the headset for you know one hour and just let them look around, you would gather so much that you can believe. Like, you know, like with that amount of data, you can definitely predict where someone will look at and when, you know, and, and why. So. so it sounds like uh, the Vision Pro sort of fits into what you're describing. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Vision Pro can rebuild your eyes outside. So definitely they are tracking it, right? Yeah. <laughs> they are tracking it, yeah. Yeah, uh, Magic Leap is also, I think, uh, I think they were having eye tracking in when they came out with the number one in 2018. I feel like having eye tracking is foundational for if you want to build some sort of like, uh, you know, AI assistant uh, inputs, especially for accessibility. I feel like that would be uh, revolutionary too. Right. If someone can use hands, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Okay, I'll let someone else, that great answer. I'll let someone else ask a question. Any other questions? I saw a lot of people probably are looking for a career change and uh, uh, portfolio improvement. And I saw Alessia is one of the, I would say like a top player to merge art, uh, 3D, and also interface user experience design and code. I think those are like a very hard to kind of like a people, it, it's hard to kind of know all of them, but I think Alessio uh, demonstrate like a, he can pull everything together. Uh, how do you usually find the resources like Google and trying to just dive in? Or uh, I know like there are so many resources out there. Uh, what's your um, ways to find, for example, like, oh, I know the AI is a train. How can you kind of um, retrain yourself? Just like, oh, let's do AI and probably spend a lot of time just study, study all the document. I saw Hugging Face. I was thinking about what's the difference between Hugging Face and uh, GitHub because it feels like the same, but Hugging Face feels more, more hip and more, more portfolio driven. Yeah, so how, how do you kind of revamp yourself in such a fast speed? But first of all, thank you for your description. I'm honored uh, always. Uh, you know, it's first of all, I feel like it's a lot of work. Uh, you really need to like it. 
sometimes because uh, you need to be super curious to look into stuff that maybe not necessarily you will need it at work and even maybe the next year at work. You know, like I feel like it's something. Can you guys hear me? I think you froze. Okay. No. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Okay. Um, so I I think, and I will tackle also the question here. Uh, I feel like tech is a space which is constantly changing, and of course, you really need to. It's your duty if you really want to be a player in the environment to to keep yourself up to date and constantly learning. Like you don't need to take it as a stressful act. You just need to allocate time per week and say, okay. This week, just got to do it. Just going to go there and see what this is. And then if you care about it, you just keep doing it. And if you don't care about that particular topic, you maybe switch to something that it's a little bit different from that one, but it can still keep you in the loop. Um, and the cool thing about like, um, I mean, I, I, I got this role of prototyper and Magic Leap because I feel like they were like, okay, so you put together stuff right and so we really need like a person that put together concepts and we just uh and it, it, it's not just about the vision but it's also about the realization of the project at 60 percent of it and i feel like being there for like two or three years really helped me to get more into uh, production code because i just you know ship my stuff and then these engineers comes back to me with a lot of comments and they're like okay you could do this this way and i just learned from them this is like a great great process you know uh but my suggestion is like when you're looking for for jobs like you want to have like a portfolio which is not like thousands of projects you want to have like four or five which are very very well built and meaningful and you have like a deep dive with this project like you go very deeply you are leading this project you're almost like the director of where the direction of this is going if possible uh, and if possible you if if someone that you're collaborating with doesn't publish it uh, you publish it or if something that was for a company and cannot be published uh, you make sure that uh, whenever you collaborate in this environment and you try to push them as far as you can learning more. And um, so the approach was, was like that for me, like I came out of school and I had like a beautiful architectural portfolio. So I had like all of these buildings and uh, I did a lot of backend work with this stuff, but it was not really visible to the eye of whoever was looking at my body of work because they would just say, okay, so you can make a, you know, a crazy house or a very speculative museum. But what, what we are looking for here is for, you know, how can I know that you can use Unity, can do UI interfaces, that you can do this stuff. So I kind of, okay, I say like, I need to find like a middle ground between these two things and remake my portfolio in a way that is very visible what I like to do and what I want to do. So that was a chance for me to look for uh, sometimes uh, clients, and if there are not clients, I just make it up with friends, and they're like, uh, "I want to. I'm very curious about this topic." And you just create your project, and you make it. You almost like make it be a product yourself if you don't have the chance maybe to collaborate with other people, because you have like, especially in my in in my situation, which I'm on a visa, you have like a very narrow uh time available for making this from putting these things together so you don't want to also have like a collaboration with someone that is a blocker for you you want to have like something that is speedy that you can put together publish and that's done um so 
in that way, in that way, for me, at least helped like the, the, a friend of, of a friend had, uh, had like this kind of ADU business and, and, um, and the, my friend had this idea and I was like, why don't you do an AR app for them? Like, I think they would really benefit from it and you would benefit too. So that's how it started, for example, for that ADU project. Uh, and I was like, yeah, let me just do a proof of concept. And a lot of other projects happened this way that I didn't document it, but I had like a lot of very similar situation where I was like, okay, just, uh, you need a website. I'm going to do it for you, but I'm going to use React XR. I'm going to use 3GS. I never used it before. I want to do it. I want to learn it. So I'm just going to do it for you. And then they, they're like, again, this is working. So let's, keep, you know, let's keep in touch. So you just, you just like do it this way. I feel like that has been my way to do it for a while before to get to Magic Leap. Uh, and then I get to the question here. So it says, I have a question as a UX UI designer looking to get into XR. Would you have any advice for something like me looking for volunteer on site projects? So I feel like for UX and UI designer roles, um, I would always recommend to, so I feel like generally, and this is something I mentioned also in other, in other talks, like the role of designer and engineering is merging always more and more. Um, for me, it's very hard to comprehend design on Figma if you are actually making 3D interfaces. So you might as well as a designer, designer not just have a figma background which is great because that's what they require you first but also have a way to visualize your uh, ideas in 3d and so uh, in a way that is not just like a fake prototype but also like something that you know that 60 percent works on a meta quest or any device that you could own um, because uh, I think XR comes really down to, you know, the experience of these things, like what's the distance from this button, what's the size, how I press it, uh, what, you know, like all of these little details matter so much in the experience. So you really want to find a way to, to, to communicate that. Um, I had like a friend, his name is um, Adam Varga, which is pretty popular on Twitter. I don't know if you guys ever seen his post, but He's an amazing prototyper slash motion designer. He does beautiful animation that really makes you understand how that is working, like the, you know, pressing on a button. Like he makes it feel like almost like his animation looks like the animation from a website like Apple, but you believe in it so much because it looks so good <laughs> and not sure that that's the final decision, but like he thinks about it in a way which seems like a very complete idea. So I think that I, I would recommend uh, that one. Uh, and, you know, if you are looking for, not necessarily for volunteering, uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, you, can, you can see a little bit what's going on around and just like start trying to get like, a, for example, you talked about uh, Hugging Face. So Agin Face is uh, a, a new platform that is not really GitHub. It's just a little bit of different things. Like Hugging uh, uh, Face is like um, a platform for models. It's, I think it's financed by Amazon, if I'm not saying this wrong, not sure hundred percent, but it's like, uh, uh, you can find all of these models for each use case. So vision, uh, LLM, large language models, 
any sort of like thing that uh, people open source put together for you. Uh, when you go through Agging phase, what you want to do is like following up. Every model has its own specific way to, you know, maybe get downloaded or use it on your machine. Uh, so that's it's like it's like a a big platform from from AI models. Um, and uh, it's a good, very great resource because it's open source and you can use it in your project. I used I used that stuff for doing this little app uh, that I showed in the in the presentation. And um, and I feel like not necessarily you need like uh, partners that want you to do that project. I feel like you need to do a series of projects yourself that you think are the right thing to do, and then maybe propose it to someone or finding a narrative around that project which seems you know, more believable or constructed. For example, um, oh yeah, let me just like share it. I think, um, so. can you guys see this? Uh, yes. So yeah, hacking face is, uh, you know, like it's a, it, it's kind of a data set. Uh, it's a, it says platform where the machine learning community collaborates and model data sets and applications. So you can download models here and it gives you like a lot of hashtag, for example, you want something like object detection, uh, image segmentation, like it's like a, almost like a Google for, mm four models and uh, every model let's say you go in it tells you all of the uh, what is it what does it do how to import it and uh, especially now with chat gpt i think anyone really can just like go into this and pull it and say what i have to do with this page you know like uh, I'll put, maybe you just copy paste this amount of you know, instruction and it like, and then like, okay, I went to Hagen Face and I just read this, what I have to do to make this work? You know, like you could start really with that basic question. And I feel like that can lead you very far. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I recommend you to use AI in your workflow a lot. Like if you're exploring and learning something new, because I feel like that really boosts your, boost your learning process for sure. So I think this is something I would, I would do if I need to look for a job today. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And what what's like the pipeline or like a, the design pipeline? I, I know you mentioned that UX UI designer. And one of the things that I also find out is that if you only have UX UI Figma experience, um, right now, just like uh, Alessio mentioned that um, there's not many UI to do inside XR less and less, for example, you can just talk and there's not many visual Figma stuff for you to do. Um, yeah, and I find out a lot of inputs because right now computer, spatial computing, computer vision, a lot of inputs kind of start kind of before the reason why we have those like a types of interface is because we want, it's a media between human and computer and computer doesn't know what we want. So we press a button and computer understand and respond in those types of format. But now computer just know us so well. So those types of interface that we used to design in Figma was start kind of taking out and getting less and less. And right now, a lot of assets, for example, engineer can pull things 
uh, very easily and very nice design on their own. So less and less that types of like a pop-up or like a visual 2D stuff is showing up. So I do think that maybe, um, yeah, I mean, my background is also uh, Figma and th those types of design. And I think there are a lot of very good tools, no code, local, but those, it takes a while for them to, to have a lot of fancy functions. So right now, a lot of no code, local platform, they are great for beginners. But for example, if you want that types of like a high level thinking and doing something, follow the train and have a philosophy behind it, you probably need to start learning some coding so you can optimize. So right now, what I see a lot of no code local, you can change something, but it, it, there are a lot of limitations uh, and you need to wait and you need to file like a ticket and tell the platform what you want. And sometimes they won't prioritize your needs. Yeah. Well, you know, there are, there are a lot of things to say here. So first of all, I don't wanna, you know, it's not my intention to uh, to downgrade the profession of designers you still have like uh, i'm a designer myself i think for my education and what i went through and you still need really to have like uh, a kind of like an overview like a plan of what you're doing it's really you know like the more the things are uh, laid down at the, at the very beginning or you know in the making like you you know how many screens you have to do you know what kind of interaction you need like the first i think even if you're swapping buttons with like comments in, in a way you still need it because you want to have always like a backup or an alternative, especially in this transition toward, you know, uh, new ways to interact with, with UI. But at the same time, I agree with you. Like, I feel like we are in a moment that things are uh, changing and we need to uh, accept it. We cannot, I don't think it's a decision that we can make not not to accept it, uh, especially in tech and things like that. So um, for anyone that is really trying to be a designer in XR, I feel like you really need to, you know, do some courses of, um, of interaction design. Uh, I feel like that is something that could really help you to understand and say like, okay, I make a button, but what does that mean? Uh, because a button could be a button in Figma, but then when you try to use it on the device, there is all of a limitation for hand tracking. Uh, some headset have eye gaze, some other don't have uh, uh, eye gaze. What's the right distance? Do you bring it in front of the user right away or do you make it disappear because you want to leave the user with like a empty view so it's like more safe based on what the user is doing? Uh, so there are a lot of considerations, which I think it go, you need to be a designer more for the experience itself. I mean, you need to really think about everything. Like, I feel like you're still a designer because this reminds me a little bit of also architecture's foundation, but like whenever you make like your building, like usually the best architects are the ones that uh, can draft from the main picture to the details, you know, to the stair or to the, you know, the handle of the stairs. Like those are considered like, you know, OG architecture uh, touches. And I feel like even here for design, uh, you know, uh, is the same. Like you need to really lock down all of the details and that it needs to be part of your design system. Uh, how you convey that, uh, that's really up to you, you know, whatever works. Now there are like uh, tools like Bezel, Shapes XR, which are 
more like 3D design based, I feel like those are things that are coming along and, uh, and are very cool. I really, really like them. And here I see another question. I was wondering more on platform or a network where you can find side projects to contribute as a designer. Mm, I really did not make use of any of these things. Or I don't know, maybe there is something around that does that. Um, uh, I think that, you know, joining uh, events like uh, AWE, uh, the XR Hackathon, uh, like for example, the MIT ones is one of the major ones where you can meet like thousands of people that probably have the same question you have. Uh, are those events that probably let you connect with people that can eventually affect your journey uh, because they are interested in the same way? So I feel like I feel like real real life connection is still very important. <laughs> so I would just go there personally and talk to people. So I don't have art design background, but I'm currently studying UX design. I'm doing a career pivot. Should I look into freelancing, being self-employed? Is that same thing? Or look into working for a company at least to start? Is XR like a niche within tech that we can specialize? How realistic is it? I hope I'm asking the right question. So, uh, well, I mean, XR, I don't think is still a niche uh, anymore because, you know, like the, from the moment that Apple Vision Pro came out and Meta really started to release a lot of VR upgrades. I feel like it's something mainstream, then if you like it or not, it's like gaming. It's like a niche, but everyone knows about it. I feel like now we are at the same level. Um, and within that niche, there, there is like a lot of sub niches, like for example, AR for gaming, AR for, you know, maps experiences uh enterprise medical like the, the company i work for they tend to create like experiences that have like utilizations in factories in uh, labs so they need to go through a lot of certification for being used in those it's like something pretty new so they're still figuring it out uh i think it depends if you are uh, you say are looking to working for a company or not um here comes down from your situation. Like if you are a visa student or someone on a visa, you need to work for a company. So you don't really have a choice. And I would recommend large companies because usually they can sponsor your visa easily instead of um, small companies, which usually have you know, problems of budgets or they are not very familiar with the process. Um, so I would recommend big companies, but and, um, and I would also recommend to take your time for applying for this role. Like you lock down four or five roles that are your dream roles. And then you start to work in the direction, making a portfolio that really explores things that maybe you have never done before. And, uh, and you can start to create your own uh, portfolio out of, out of those you know, bullet points that you see on those descriptions. Um, yeah, I would recommend working for an XR company because is it's such a new space, uh, which should, and, and it requires so much work behind it, which I really don't have the presumption myself that I can make a headset myself, uh, OS for itself. And you need the help of people. Uh, you can start your own company, but you, you probably want, it's a little bit of a weird way to be freelance. If you really want to learn like the roots of the technology, I would never have access to uh, things as I learned in the last three years, if I wouldn't work for Magic Leap, and now 
I have like a way clearer uh, understanding of the field than I had before. Because before I was just limited to use uh, all of the things, but in a very commercial use. So I couldn't have access to certain things. So for sure. Mm, yeah, so I I do agree with uh, what Alessio said that uh, it's a little hard to kind of find um, like, oh, I only want to contribute UI. It's more about like how you as a uh, XR creator, I think the new term XR creator will come out and which is more like X talent, right? Uh, before it was like a T T post types of talent, you know a little bit everything, but you are really good at one thing. And that was probably our parents' time. And now it becomes pie, like there's a certain point um, it becomes pie person, which is that you know a little bit about everything, but you know two things really well. And now I think it becomes the X talent, which means that you know a lot of different things in different types of level, but you also have different like a depth and it's gross. So yeah, it, you don't have to be the expert in coding. You don't have to be the expert in 3D model, but you know something and AI kind of assists you to kind of helping you to come up with the result. And it just how... Um, to find the right resource and integrate with all the different technologies. So yeah, so I think this is kind of like a, a pretty cool, um, and we are constantly learning. So maybe instead of, hey, I only want to contribute design and I only want to do this small things. Because long time ago, I went to in-person types of hackathon and I say, oh, I'm a Figma designer and I haven't really learn all the technology. I just say, oh, I, I do Figma. And I jump into a team. Everybody was developer and, uh, and they do Figma on their own. And I was sitting there and I was like, do you need any like a front screen for me? And I was sitting there and they say, oh no, but if you want to do, you know, some model uh, animation, that would be great uh, because we need some animation of something. And I was like, okay, that I, I learned. So I started learning something at the moment. I find out that for example, right now, the um, a, a lot of like a, um, small things before I joined Game Jam long time ago, we need a storyteller, right? right? Writer, right? Writing all the script. And we need a musician putting all the sound effects together. And we need a developer. We need a designer who create art. But now it seems like if someone who knows all the uh, technology and AI stuff, they can be there one person and knock out a lot of things according to the wheel. So yeah, so I think maybe we start learning different things together. Maybe we are not the expert of different things, but we can find the, the answer as long as there's the internet. Um, and we have ChatGPT4. Sometimes if I don't know the code, I just write a script and I copy and paste uh, to, to the code uh, to Unity. So there are a lot of different things that can assist us to just accomplish the goal, right? Yeah. I, I think to add to that, um, we're in such a state of change right now. And I think the change is only going to accelerate. So uh, just to keep up, you have to keep learning and learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can. And so I think, I think that's sort of governing everything right now is all this change. 
Yeah, and I do think that, for example, the the device will be smarter and smarter, just like uh, Jim mentioned that all oh, eye tracking, right? Uh, I test out Vision OS, uh, Vision Pro in Apple's headquarters, and I will have another session next week. So the thing about it is that um, you, you see Meta, Meta, you need controller and Meta has eye tracking, but the hand is pretty much off. Um, yeah, and I can say that Vision OS, Vision Pro is definitely the best device in this entire universe or on the earth. Um, yeah, and I can see a lot of B2B um, implementation um, in, in Vision OS. And because of that, I even learn all the Swift UI miserably because it's totally different syntax than uh, C Sharp. But I think it's it's very cool because now you see like in their simulator, they have snip code. So you just jerk and drop types of coding. And Meta is very good at uh, inspired by other uh, platform, which means that I saw they have XR simulation types of 2D stuff and they have like snip code. Uh, so yeah, I, I really love to see, you see like a one is focusing on the majority um, 599, 499 for headset versus 3,500 uh, high-end. But uh, if Meta is trying to, you know, get a lot of good stuff from Apple, uh, we can get the price down. And I can see one can be B2C and one can be B2B if, for example, like a more medical training um, precision. I think precision and uh, ease of use uh, it's very good for B2B and B2C, it, it, it's like affordable price and everyone has one. So I can see like different audience that two different uh, headset targets. Yeah, I, I see a lot of really good stuff that kind of learn from each other. And also the ease of creating the content is getting better and better. So more and more people can jump in and the level of, of creation can be less customized for more entry level and more customized for more advanced level. So yeah, I, I can see the entire types of uh, structure and two types of headsets. And also I heard a lot of people from like hand tracking, motion tracking, mocap suit. They start saying that before they were doing the, you know, mocap suit or like hand tracking types of stuff or Quest or Oculus in the past. But now since Oculus has a good hand tracking and OS already can uh, track the full body, they are thinking about how can they move on? Because you see like all the stuff and AI, they have some video stuff and create all the, you just take a, a video of somebody and it will do all the reading for you. So yeah, this is types of like a, before a lot of small company relies on big companies, uh, types of like a stuff that is not doing well. But right now, big companies is starting to expand their existing business and kind of merge more and more. So it's, yeah, at the end, we probably need a UBI, universal basic income. <laughs> it's just like, a, um, yeah, just some observations. Yeah. I like where you go with this because I feel like, you know, there is this shift is not just, you know, like, uh, it's not just, oh my gosh, now I need to do a different project. Like it change, changes uh, all of the, it's changing the world. So 
uh, I think that if a company becomes that size is cool, but also a little dangerous, right? Because you don't have, there is no chance for other actors to enter the competition. And this is like a problem that I, the constant people are talking about, especially in tech, because these tech companies are so big and so huge and they have so much cap to work with. And uh, that's why I was saying before, if you want to work for an XR company, I feel like it's cool to work for a company of that kind at the beginning of your career, at least because uh, you get to be exposed to things that you probably would never be exposed if you don't work for them. Uh, so I, you know, this, uh, this, all of these projects are things that take uh, villages to make uh, this effort. Also the meta is doing is uh, economical effort, which no other company could uh, compare and Apple and meta are, you know, some of the biggest uh, companies in us if not the biggest ones so they can afford to do something like that uh you definitely cannot afford to do that on your own or in a small studio so uh yeah that's a very good you know more a socio-economical discussion which uh unfortunately i think that the only defense that we have is like becoming more expert learning more about what you what's the next thing coming, becoming expert, dominate the new thing. And maybe you come up with some solution that no one ever thought about it before, you know, but uh, at the same time, I feel like you need to be proficient in understanding what these big companies are trying to explore, not now, but like, for example, in five years, and then you tackle that route, which, you know, I don't, I don't think all of what we are talking about, it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's always complex. It always implies like quite, quite a lot of work. Um, but to the question also in the chat here, uh, Steve, um, my portfolio took a while actually to make, it doesn't take from day to night. I recommend people to, to take the time that they need to, to do an inter, um, to go through a process of interviews, which can be partially successful for you. I feel like, um, for me, I was, I worked two years in an architecture company, which and I was part of this kind of advanced technology studio. Uh, truth is that all of the stuff that you saw that, that in my portfolio, like just the minimum part was stuff that I did at work, but I kind of like to the time to say, okay, so I can see this coming. Let me just do this. I can see, I want to test this. Let me do that. Like, for example, in a moment uh, when like the face filters came out, which I've never been a fan of, but uh, when they came out, I feel like a lot of company started to create new tools. Like uh, TikTok made the uh, Effect House, uh, Meta did Spark AR, uh, Snap did the Snap Studio. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this gonna be the new Unity? Like who knows, no? Like I was wondering, uh, cause it's like way more reductive, but I was like, I'm very interested in understanding how this software works. So I was like, okay, let's just go through, you know, two or three tutorials for each of them. And let's just make a filter and see how it works. And uh, turns out you can do a lot more with that if you really are creative. For example, there was like this artist called David O'Reilly and he made this craziest filter that almost looked like a game itself. And it like looks like an experience from the phone. And so if I see that, I'm like, well, now there is WebXR that could be, you can definitely make a filter of that kind on, on the web and then just like, you know, click a link on your Instagram app and then it opens up a new XR experience. Uh, so 
you know, we it all of these kind of intersections, I feel like in that case, if I want to work for some other company, I would start to learn JavaScript, for example, because I want to do AR on the web. And I think they're all making happening AR with uh, on the web, you know. And yeah, uh, you know, like I feel like uh, uh, it depends also from your situation. Like if you are definitely a US citizenship, maybe you, you might be a little bit more relax to explore more and and having like a long-term uh path that is going to bring you to success because you know you can stay here and you can focus and you have like access to i feel like uh, a lot of other countries uh they don't they are not even doing these discussions to be fair like i don't think in italy there's probably one or two hubs of vr and no more um I, i've not been there for a while so i don't I, I maybe what I'm saying is wrong, but I'm saying that here, like, especially if you're based in the US, you have this constant, seems that there is this constant need for a company to grow. And that leads to a competition, which is uncomparable of uh, all around the world. So speaking more widely, uh, uh, trends start from here and then they affect the world. So you already have an advantage because you're here. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't look all of this in a, negative lens um because i feel like the first thing that you think of when you have a lot to learn is the stress the and the anxiety that you're like oh my gosh i'm so behind i need to do this 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 and that i would just like do one step at a time you will be surprised how far you can go uh and uh be really be focused on what's your final goal is your goal finding a job in this company and you have or this other company you want to have like five different positions that you're tackling point by point. If that takes one year or two years, in those two years, you probably learn so much exponentially and you're going to be good for the next maybe five or six in this company. And then when you're at the company, you can just think about your next steps and things like that. So uh, I don't think it's a long, it's a short term, it's a short term game. Yeah, I totally agree with Alessio's uh, point of view. Uh, and personally, I got... Yeah, the same uh, H1B um, and uh, transfer two times and green card. And uh, I can tell you when I um, uh, apply or waiting for green card during that time. Um, during that time, Trump just got, you know, elected and he banned all the, you know, countries, a couple of countries. And during that time, I was waiting for the result. And I was so worried. And I even had a small luggage and put all my clothing and just like a passport. Because uh, according to the role uh, during that time, if uh, um, the, the uh, visa or the green card was not approved, within 24 hours, uh, ICE will come to my house and kick me out of this country. So I told myself it's pretty scary. Every night, sometimes I just like look at the email if my attorney get any you know rejections. I just take, you know, grab my little luggage and book a ticket and leave. So I won't get, you know, black on my, um, yeah, on my passport. So, um, yeah, and there is a lot of like a um, kind of things, for example, um, when I start getting my visa process, I even work like a Saturday, Sunday and in the warehouse just to help the company because 
because they want you to be so affordable and they want you to be so helpful so they can, you know, that they, 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 they are willing to kind of help you to sign the sign, sign like a 300 papers. And also in order for the company to sponsor a foreigner, their tax return needs to be under public and the government needs to re-look at their tax return. And nobody likes to be double, um, you know, put on the public about their tax return, right? So yeah, so it takes a lot of effort for a company to sponsor a person and the person need to be so good at uh, contribute to the company. So yeah, so I, I, I get through the pr process. It took me probably 15 years. And um, after that, I feel like I have uh, endless motivations to just work. It, it, it feels like, uh, you know, every time people ask me like why you can work Monday to Sunday and Monday to Sunday and after your, um, you know, job or whatever work, you still can keep working. And I said that maybe it's because of 15 years and uh, under the visa and under, you know, those types of high pressure, it becomes the endless uh, force for you to keep moving on and you don't need any motivation. You just know what to do. It's it's kind of an amazing, I would say, you know, that's why diamond, right? Under high pressure, you become so shine, right? But, so I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. If you can get through all the process and get citizen on your own, you will have endless um, drive motivations to just keep moving forward. That, that's just my, my conclusion of 15 years of, you know, visa transfer. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, congratulations that you got the green card, you know, through all of the process. I feel like, you know, it's a, for anyone here that I, you know, it's going through this process, definitely challenging, like Dominique mentioned, like, I feel like everyone can do it. You just need to really be super consistent and, uh, and accept uh, that, you know, you're temporary in this situation of, uh, you know, you can have all the rights, but not really all of them. Uh, until you you get that that document, but also you're having a lot more opportunities you might have in your country. So that's how I see it. But for me, I'm always look back and I was like, well, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't definitely done what I've done here. So I'm still very happy of you know my achievements so far. Uh, you can find some situations that are very stressful. I would say I was in a similar situation like Dominique mentioned where I uh, I was waiting for my permit to work and uh, it arrived uh, very much at the last minute like like her like uh, and I was very stressed uh, for two weeks I was waiting so much for that notification to arrive because I'm like if that doesn't arrive there is a strong chance that I need to temporarily move outside of the country which you know I've been living here for for a while, I have all my friends, and uh, it would be just for your life uh, condition. It would be very stressful because you need to live mandatorily, and uh, and um, you know there are a lot of people that go through a lot worse than I go through. Because I know, for example, for a nationality like Chinese or Indian, the the wait for the green cards are insane. So I still feel myself enough, you know, lucky that uh, I might have some sh shorter period of time for waiting. Uh, I got personally the O1. If you want to go through all of that route, I'm happy also to extend on that. Maybe you can shoot me a, a message privately. It's been like a pretty extensive process. Uh, 
it's not impossible. I think all of these processes is everything that everyone can really do. Uh, it just complies, like, implies a lot of work at, at the side, which gets stressful when you're working on, you know, in another company. And the, the reason why I was recommending bigger companies before was that every time you go in a big company, I think they have process in place for immigrants worker on visa and if you are in a small company there is a big chance that they didn't do it enough for being so automatic like it would be in a big company so for your for your benefits for you it's better really tackle a company which is a size of you know 200 plus employees and and that's going to be smooth uh, eventually yeah, but I'm happy, you know, like uh, I, I did a lot of work like Dominique has mentioned and uh, I'm happy to expand or if there is any recommendation letter that you guys are looking for uh, in the field because you're applying for a visa, I'm really happy to, you know, help as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I know right now it's extremely hard, especially you see like big companies laying off American, right? And in order for a company, big comp, it's already really hard to get into the big company. And it's even harder for the company to sponsor you um, like uh, the, the, the visa. And especially right now, all the big companies laying off people, right? So I just feel like this time is extremely hard. Even Americans cannot find jobs, right? And uh, for a company to hire a foreigner, it needs company to prove that this work, this job, cannot they cannot find any American to, to do this. So that's why they hire a foreigner. So those are extremely tough i mean i i think it's amazing that you get through all the process this is hard so yeah so if anybody needs any you know help uh ping uh, me or alessio um we would love to because we, we we've been through this types of progress so we'd love to kind of give you advice or help you yeah i think we mentioned growth earlier and um one of the things with a publicly traded company, you know, that's on the stock market, they have to grow because their stock price is proportional to their growth rate. And so there's a huge incentive to grow. And right now, one of the ways that companies are growing their profits is to cut back on employees. So they're trying to reduce their costs to, to grow their profits. And yeah. I, that's not a sustainable uh, situation. I think eventually they're going to hit the limit of what they can do in that regard. So um, things will have to change, but th those are some of the constraints that everyone's working under right now. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw a lot of news, for example, I saw a lot of companies, their revenue is going up, but they are laying off people, for example, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Meta is cutting off like their their um, chips or like an AR glass team to ma manufacture chips or something. Um, I think this types of norm because the technology or partnership can reinforce the goal. So um, yeah, I think it start from Elon Musk uh, laying off Twitter's um, uh, employees, then all the layoff things in Silicon Valley start firing up and also bankruptcy at the beginning of this year and AI automation, all those stuff kind of reinforce this types of like, we need to evolve so fast, right? Learn a lot of different things so we can kind of keep, keep like surviving in this period of time, yeah. Well, I think that the other side of the coin of those layoffs is that 
in order for these companies to grow, they have to grow into emerging, emerging technologies. They have to adopt emerging, emerging technologies. And they're not gonna be able to do that if they've laid off you know, the employees that uh, are expert in those technologies. So I think what's gonna happen is there's a lot of layoffs that have gone on, but that is going to have to turn around because in order for those companies to continue to grow, they're going to have to move into emerging technologies and in order to do that, they're going to have to hire employees that have expertise in those areas. Yeah, but I think we still need to um, fast moving to those talents to become what they are looking for. And that it requires a lot of rapid learning and change. Yeah, so still like uh, keep involving and keep uh, changing. And I remember, um, yeah, a long time ago, I, I really liked like a Chris Christopher Lafayette's talk because I remember I asked him like, hey, since everything is um, automated by AI, what do you think, of, what can we do? He said that, you see like a AI can automate kind of like a task that human do, but there are a lot of big problems such as poverty, climate change, drug addictions, a lot of problems in this world that is so big then not a single company or a single country um, power can use. So right now, all our you know day-to-day -day tasks being automated by AI, and maybe in the future, human can get universal basic income from you know government or big companies, and we focus on solving those more like bigger issues such as climate change or some like I feel like wow, this is actually pretty good if we are leading in the right directions um, to help the world become better. I, I feel like this is kind of pretty, pretty good directions, but it can go to another direction. So I feel like right now, yeah, it's kind of a, a very key moment this years, this few years that um, we were kind of leading ourselves to different uh, paths. So yeah, that's my thought, yeah. I still think though, uh, and this goes more on, on the personal opinion, like, you know, like if there are one expert, you have two experts and, you know, like if everyone is proficient in the same direction, the, the number of workforce is still quite relevant to me, like feeling that, you know, uh, like you don't want to have, like generally it's a bad strategy to rely on very few people if you have a company because uh if those people have a better option they leave so <laughs> just put yourself also in the in the brain of uh, a leadership which is looking for enhancing their product with uh, new capabilities and uh new emerging technologies uh you don't want to just rely on one guy because that guy has the monopoly of everything and i think that could be an actor that is going to be an asset for you, but also something that could make you in a situation, could put you in a situation of danger. Uh, so I still feel that it's valuable having uh, uh, um, not just a small amount of people working for this company. I just feel that in the last, you know, 20 years, uh, companies became so huge uh, and, uh, and they start to create maybe, you know, some tasks that they kind of like 
they kind of forgot what's the real important things to do. And they maybe uh, start to create a lot of roles to have like a share, like a fair share across all of their profits. But now that there are less profits, of course, like, you know, it's been mentioned before by Jim, they're just trying to cut that. Uh, but I feel like it's going to be, it's going to fluctuate uh, up and down for a bit. And then it's going to become like a little bit more stable. Uh, hopefully, you know, like, uh, also my company went through a big um, uh, a big layoff some years ago and I just joined after that and uh, I feel like from you know what everyone told me like uh, everyone was envisioning that a little bit from a little bit of time like there were some decisions that you know were going in that direction that maybe it was not the, the the right thing to do at that moment like this is part of the game of companies i think this is you know you bet on something you invest you put your money you don't get them back and of course you need that comes to a consequence i feel like that's not a that's not gonna uh, ever disappear i think uh but you know i i'm i feel like my comment goes more into the direction of like uh a one person does everything you're always going to have that you know, if you want to create something huge, like uh, if you want to create a new hardware uh, of uh, VR and AR, you really need you really need top talent, and you don't need just one person. Believe me, because it's so complex, uh, and uh, and I don't see that one person can do everything ever so far. But uh, yeah, definitely, like AI boosts you to to be like a 10x person and uh maybe that 10x also helps your company so you know i think no one knows really now where it is completely going like i don't want to you know project something that is not going to happen but i'm curious to see you know yeah cool yeah i i, I do agree right now it's just like an ai and also um I, I feel like every day what I can learn uh, and every day, like the news and also different companies launch different stuff. Yeah, so I am kind of in inspired and also I feel excited about a lot of new things that happen and new stuff to learn. Uh, anybody has any questions? Um, I saw a lot of good discussions on the chat. TL, do you want to share what you thought? And I saw you you wrote an, an asset here. Yeah, I really admire that, you know, immigrants. And uh, would you like to share or on? I saw two of you like uh, share a lot of your thoughts. Do you want to just unmute yourself in chat? Yeah, my name is Tracy. I'm from San Francisco. Um, I'm usually not very good at speaking in these um, group Zoom meetings or events, so I usually just put stuff in chat. But um, I guess maybe what I'm driving at is that my parents are Asian immigrants, and I'm often seen as a recent immigrant, not that there's anything bad about it. There's a lot of very high-end immigrants, such as all of you, who are incredibly accomplished and talented, but I mean, a lot of immigrants are actually seen as very low-end you know, there's a wide variety of immigrants and, you know, just like being Asian from San Francisco, like a lot of times I'm just seen as just unfairly seen as really backwards and clueless and very foreign in the worst ways possible. So this is kind of what I'm driving at. You know, I know that, you know, most of us have our cameras off and I don't have my full name on it. So you don't have complete information about me, but, you know, I feel like it's better if 
I just hide more of myself. So, I mean, in general, I feel like I'm going to struggle with with getting any sort of job. Everyone comes here from different places. There are some people who are incredibly charismatic and extroverted, and there's other people like me who are not that charismatic and more introverted and more introspective. And people just really, they don't, they don't recognize who I am. You know, they don't see my strengths. They just see negatives. They just make things up in their heads about me. This is probably not something that most of you can relate to. Maybe some of you can. There's probably a variety of people in here. But uh, this is just a daily struggle for me. I am studying UX right now in a boot camp. And I was just wondering, is XR an area I can go into? Um, does that relate to UX? Um, I'm not even sure about UX if it's for me. I feel like I'm struggling through this boot camp. Um, everyone comes to this from different places. Sometimes people say things that sound a little condescending to me. I'm sure they don't mean it. It's just, I don't know what it is. You know, I mean, yeah, that's just what I have to say. It's a little rambling, but that's what I have to say. Yeah, I think I can kind of chime in because I believe you are Asian girl like me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I look super young. I can tell you I'm 38. Do you believe? No, no not at <laughs> yeah. all. Not I at look all. like 16. Okay. So yeah. So you know that I can guess through whatever you've been through, right? Yes. Yes. yes right. Um, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Whatever you, you, and especially I have excellent, you don't have, right? And I need visa. So I probably get to more than you. I, I, I told you that I even uh, be a sales in sense club and wearing doctor's robe and trying to sell a cream. <laughs> you, it, it, can, can you imagine that? And I have like a suitcase and I don't have any family members in this country and I'm Taiwanese and I need to worry about whether my country will be bombarded and being occupied and I need to change my another um, yeah, I, I it, it, it's like a lot of pressures on me, so I can definitely relate. But I can tell you the interesting part about this country, America, is that mm -hmm. you probably will get a lot of you feel like um, unfair things at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no offense and I know there are a lot of people, they don't feel anything, but I just share my experience at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's just at the beginning. And you feel like all the letters was broken. Right. And but when you just like trying so hard to climb up to some certain degree, you need to pass that degree and some uh, all the negative part of you becomes positive part. Yeah. And you true. get all the advantage of being, for example, like I, I talked to people and people said, oh, Dominic, you are you are one of the few Asian girls that can have somebody have heard your name or your brand. Very few Asian women, da, 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 da. why I can be mentioned because I'm special. Because the majority of this field are guys and normally yeah. are white guys and developers. Yes. And I am the unique one. So it's like a, if you heard like a, in Chinese, it's called Zhu Yang Bianse, it's pig and sheep and they switch. So you need to, uh, it's a poker game in Chinese. So it means that at some point, go to extreme and all the all the negativities becomes your possibilities. You, yeah. it, it's like you are Asian and you are a girl, right? In this yeah. industry, you feel like, oh, people have a lot of like a, a bad or like a bias on you, yeah. but yeah. you need to pass a certain point and all your weakness becomes your strength. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. So, for example, opera or, or opera, right? Opera, if in in that types of like a setting, right, it's kind of like not so good for her when she was growing to a household name. But because she just gets through all these things, and at some point she gets through that turning point, and all the negativities because now she's becoming the you know black woman or woman's like a spokeswoman right so mm-hmm. you need to get through those turning points and I know that we complain but somehow those complaint is the analyst motivation so later on when you do things because I can tell you when I was like a in, at some point I don't want to mention which company I asked my boss um, to help me with my visa my boss said that why not join an army <laughs> you know? it's very interesting and I was like okay so every time when I feel like oh I couldn't handle this this is like a lot of work but I always think that yeah it's better than joining an army so yeah so um yeah you, you need to pass that turning point and now you just have to you know I know there are a lot of complaints and immigrants I have two thoughts. I do agree that um, I wouldn't say low end, but I would say that uh, they probably didn't have the chance like you uh, living in a pretty good um, and getting a pretty good uh, education. Um, and I would think that maybe so. So right now, you, you know why I start X reality? Why is that? Yeah, uh, it was because I remember uh Back in 2017, I was uh, in, living in Burbank. Yeah, I've been living in LA for 15 years. I just moved to here like uh, last December. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so the reason why it's just like a very hard to commute to Santa Monica. All the XR events are in Santa Monica. So I decided to create a meetup. And at the beginning, it's out of like a volunteer. I think like yeah, and I remember one time I, I I was doing this types of like a show since 2017. And one time I went to VRLA and I saw Charlie Fink was standing and sharing his new book. And I read the book. Uh, it's called Charlie Fink's Metaverse. I love that book. And I was like, I want to make a show for it. I want to tell people this is a good book for XR. And uh, I even reached out to Charlie and said, hey, Charlie, you wrote such a good book and I really appreciate you pull everything together. And uh, I really want to like tell people how good this book. Would you like to give me some guidance what types of stuff I can say or what types of stuff is better? And Charlie just said, I thought Charlie won't even talk to me, but he said, oh, that's a ranger call. And I call her. And I called him uh, when he was still in New York back in 2018. He said that, oh, you know, uh, I asked him like how many books he sell. And he said that, oh, probably about 10K, 10K, 10,000. It's around the same size as about uh, around the XR community. And I said that. So that's why I decided to create this um, XR, X reality. It's because I told Charlie, if I can, get one more people in uh, XR field, then your book can get one copy, extra more copy sell, right? So everybody in XR field can all benefit. So that's kind of like uh, things that keeps me uh, working on it. 
And I, I feel like maybe um, um, since we have all the good stuff, I just want to kind of like uh, share something and maybe um, like you said that there are a lot of like immigrants, they are not really helping the world. Maybe we can influence them and maybe they watch a show that inspire them somewhere on, on LinkedIn or on, on, on YouTube that maybe we can slowly influence people like that. So that's my thought to, to create this. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I was interested in why uh, why you started, how you were able to start X Reality, because it looks really impressive to me from everything that I've seen, just this community. It seems very unique in the world, you know? It seems like, um, like all of you are just incredibly innovative and, uh, and talented. Um, I, I don't mean that the immigrants who seem low end are bad. I have a great deal of respect for them. A lot of times when immigrants, like my parents immigrated a long time ago in the seventies and um, like it, they immigrate, it was a completely different world back then when they immigrated. Um, like these days there's like Asian tigers and countries have become dramatically more uh, developed in first world since then, since the time they immigrated. And um, I mean, the quote low-end ones definitely did not have the opportunities. They're just as smart. They're maybe maybe even more hardworking, um, but just, you know, and same with me. I mean, people don't realize what life can be like for some, some people born and raised. It's just not, it's not all fun and games. Um, it, like it's a million different things, a million different complications. I tend to share a lot about myself, but maybe I feel like I just kind of have to because my life is just really, really complicated. Um, yeah, so this is this is kind of my response. Um, I appreciated everything that you've shared. I uh, appreciate everything that all of you have shared. Life is just, it's kind of a, like, I feel like my life, as me specifically, is it's kind of a frontier. Everything I've had, kind of had to, like, work out in my life in this really ragtag, random sort of way, like, figuring everything out. And every day is, like, is like a frontier for me. Just like, how do people react to me? Uh, my life that I've lived, it's its maybe completely different from how people see and treat me, of how they imagine me to be. They tend to put me into a box and invent all these characteristics of me that aren't even there. You know, especially if I have the camera on, especially if they see me in person, they think I'm this, this, and this, and I'm not like that at all. They just decide that's what I am. I think like they know more about me than I know about me. I, I understand because we are from Asian background and our Asian parents like to like there is a voice criticize yourself right maybe instead of looking at yourself me 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 maybe look at how can I help people because sometimes if we switch the camera like unity camera you just have a camera look at you right and you start look finding fault because our back end there's a kind of like a default coding that kind of like a uh, the way that we grow up, right? So maybe rotate to see the world and see how can we make the world better instead yeah. of thinking about how I'm bad. How I mean, I can tell you I'm not like, you know, in Asia. Um, yeah, like, you, you know, that Asian traditional beauty or something, right? But yes. I still show my face, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter. It means that sometimes... Um, there is a saying in um, like a Chinese, I don't know, old philosophy, that if you don't use your brain to think, you use your heart to feel, you will be 
kind of like a, a, a better livid person. I mean, anyway, we will all die, right? I think the best way to kind of like not looking at yourself, how bad you are or your situation, maybe look at the world. How can I help this world? What can I do, right? And I mean, nobody is like a extrovert and um, Elon Musk, all those like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, they are all introvert. So yeah, yeah don't like uh, limit yourself. See what you can do. Maybe create a community and see how I can help. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that, that types of like uh, helping out, right? And you will change. I, I believe everybody has a frequency. Yes. You, you, you start changing your frequency. Um, more about like helping other people, right? Turn the camera to see, you, you know, a lot of negativities, right? And see how I can make this better. And uh, not really look at yourself, what I have, how bad I am, but look at the world. Oh, you, you have a really good mind. Like, oh, you know, what's good, what's bad, right? But think about, well, this is not so good. How can I make it, fix it? Right. Maybe that might be a good way to, you know, um, make yourself like a um, feel feel feels like, you know, happier or like a, have a lot of motivations. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and uh, do you want to share your thoughts? I saw a lot of like uh, comments here. Uh, hi, I, I don't know if, if can you can hear me. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you. Uh, uh, so I don't know how how relevant my story is and I've it's I've recently come back in tech space I started my career in tech like video game industry in South Korea I'm from South Korea and I moved to France seven years ago to be in a beauty industry um it was kind of hard for me I think I didn't realize looking back how hard it was for me as an Asian person in France and specifically in beauty industry. And I just feel like, I don't know how relative it is compared to the US, but I think just being in tech space, it's it seemed more open. I just, just wanted to share that compared to French beauty industry. And I, I just want to, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm saying, actually. I just, I'm kind of enthusiastic and optimistic relatively speaking for the tech world because it's it's been more open for me and I know we have a long way to go but the fact that I see a lot of Asian women being in like leadership positions and speakers in tech and so many good designers being Asians like that's been very like how to say um support like it's it just like gives me hope for myself I guess that's my personal experience. Oh, yeah. It's a very interesting discussion. Like, start from Alessio's work and to the end, it like, yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry thank to, you for sorry sharing. To interrupt you, Dominique. I just need to leave. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me here. If anyone needs to keep in touch, I'm super happy to do it one on one and provide you with the tools that you need for, you know, probably have a successful application somewhere uh, that you want to look for. Okay. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much. And I will close the, 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 the meeting and thanks everybody. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.